0: All right, let's take our Bibles tonight and go to the book of Micah. The book of Micah, chapter 4. Micah, chapter 4. And we'll uh, be finishing the chapter 4 tonight, the last three verses, verses 11 through 13. Micah, chapter 4. Verses 11 through 13, he says, Now also many nations are gathered against thee, that say, Let her be defiled, and let her eye look upon Zion. But they know not the thoughts of the Lord, neither understand they his counsel, for he shall gather them as the sheaves into the floor. Arise and thresh, O daughter of Zion, for I will make thine horn iron, and I will make thy hoofs brass, and thou shalt beat in pieces many people, and I will consecrate their gain unto the Lord. And their substance unto the Lord of the whole earth. So remember, as we've been going through chapter four here, this is really kind of uh, the beginning of it is dealing with the last days, right? And in verse number one, he says, But in the last days it shall come to pass that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established in the top of the mountains, and it shall be exalted above the hills. Uh, people shall flow into it. And so this dealing with the last days, Micah is looking uh, beyond just the captivity that's going to come. Um, in just a few years because of their their sin. But he's looking to the last days, and he's talking about what's going to happen in the last days and how, of course, Messiah is going to come. And he says uh, in, in verse number 5, For all people will walk, everyone, in the name of his God, and we will walk in the name of the Lord our God forever and ever. Uh, so people are going to come to Jerusalem. They're going to come, and they're going to uh, listen to... Uh, the Lord, they're going to listen to Jesus Christ and they're going to be taught his ways and they're going to walk in them. And so he's talking about these last days. And then in last week, we saw in verses six through 10, that even though Micah speaks of those last days, uh, he does say that judgment's still coming, right? They are going to be taken into captivity uh, by the Chaldeans or the Babylonians, uh, but that God would redeem them. Right, He talks about um, how he's going to let them be taken in that day. Uh, Saith the Lord, will I assemble her that halteth and will gather her that is driven out and her that I have afflicted? So Israel had been driven out. Uh, God had allowed the, the Chaldeans and the Babylonians and uh, even the Assyrians to afflict the people of God. And God says they are going to be driven out, but uh, God says he'll redeem them. He'll bring them back. Uh, to Israel, back to the the promised land. Um, And then, of course, then Messiah is going to come. He's going to be rejected. Uh, And so then God sets Israel to the side and God begins dealing with uh, the Gentiles. Um, But we know that one day God's going to come back and deal with Israel again. That's that last day uh, that he's referring to here. Um, And so he speaks about how Israel will be taken into captivity, uh, how they will be um, persecuted Uh, and many will be afflicted, he says, Um, but then he's going to bring them back at the end of verse number uh, 10. Uh, There the Lord shall redeem thee from the hand of thine enemies. So God is going to bring them back from Babylon uh, and redeem them. But watch what he says in verse number 11. He says, now also many nations are gathered against thee that say, let her be defiled and let our eye look upon Zion. It's really interesting, of course, again, Micah is speaking, there's two things going on in Micah chapter 4. He's speaking, looking at the last days, but also what's currently taking place, right? So what's currently taking place is Israel is about to be judged because of their their sin. They have rejected God, they've turned away from God. Micah talked about that in the early chapters, uh, how even the prophets led God's people to err and to turn away from God. And so he talks about this judgment that is going to come. But again, he's also in this chapter talking about the last days as well and what's going to happen in the last days and when Jesus Christ comes and sets up his kingdom on the earth. And so watch what he says. Now also many nations are gathered against thee that say, let her be defiled. Let her eye look upon Zion. And so, of course, Micah is speaking again Presently, there are going to be nations that are going to come, right? The Assyrian nation has already taken the northern kingdom into captivity, but then there would also be the Babylonians that would come against the southern kingdom, against Judah. Uh, The Ammonites would be with them, the Edomites. In fact, when you read the book of Obadiah, uh, it talks about God's judgment upon Edom because of uh, them Helping during this time, and so there are going to be nations that come. But again, thinking about this last day that he speaks of in verse number one, in the last days it shall come to pass. Right? Um, and Micah says, "Many nations shall be gathered against thee." And this is again, it's really fascinating how how Micah says this because he says that what they're going to say is, "Let her be defiled. Let our eye look upon Zion." Or let's let's destroy Israel, let's get rid of her. Um, of course, Zion or Jerusalem was known as the holy city, so let's, let's destroy the holy city, uh, this, this place that was supposed to be the, the dwelling place of God, let's, let's destroy it, let's, uh, you know, through the, through the temple. But when we look at other passages, we understand that this is also referring to the last days. Yes, Babylon is going to come, but this is also talking about the last days as well. Because hold your place here. Go to the book of Joel. In the book of Joel. In chapter 3. Joel chapter 3. Watch what he says here. For behold, in those days and in that time when I shall bring again the captivity of Judah and Jerusalem... I will also gather all nations and will bring them down into the valley of Jehoshaphat and will plead with them there for my people and for my heritage, Israel, whom they have scattered among the nations and parted my land. and They have cast lots for my people and have given a boy for an harlot and sold a girl for wine that they may drink. So he's talking about the, this all nations that are coming against Jerusalem, coming against Israel here. Right. And if you jump down to verse number nine, he says, proclaim ye this among the Gentiles, prepare war, make wake up the mighty men. Let all the men of war draw near. Let them come up. Beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. Let the weak say I'm strong. Assemble yourselves. Come, all ye heathen and gather yourselves together round about. Thither cause the mighty ones to come down. O Lord, let the heathen be wakened. Come up to the valley of Jehoshaphat for there will I sit to judge all the heathen round about. So again, God's speaking about all these nations that are going to come up. He says, put ye in the sickle, for the harvest is ripe. Come, get you down, for the press is full. The fats overflow, uh, for their wickedness is great. And so he speaks about how that, that these nations are going to come up against Israel. right? Uh, again, in the last days. Uh, go with me to the book of Zechariah. Zechariah in chapter 12. In Zechariah chapter 12, notice what he says in verse number one. The burden of the word of the Lord for Israel, saith the Lord, which stretcheth forth the heavens and layeth the foundations of the earth and formeth the spirit of man within. him. behold, I'll make Jerusalem a cup of trembling unto all the people round about when they shall be in the siege, both against Judah and against Jerusalem. So you can think about think about what's happening. These nations are coming against Israel. Right. They're coming against Israel and they're thinking that they're going to be able to destroy Israel. He says, in that day, I will make Jerusalem a burdensome stone uh, for all people, all that burden themselves with it shall be cut in pieces, though all the people of the earth be gathered together against it in that day. Say the Lord, I will smite every horse with astonishment and his rider with madness. And I will uh, open mine eyes upon the house of Judah and will smite every horse of the people with blindness. And the governors of Judah shall say in their heart, the inhabitants of Jerusalem shall be my strength and the Lord of hosts their God. Um, And he continues all throughout chapter uh, 12. And then uh, in chapter 13, he talks about that day where uh, God is going to, uh, Jesus Christ is going to return and set his feet on Mount Zion and he's going to destroy the enemy. Right? And this is what Micah is speaking about here when he talks about the, these nations. Uh, many nations are going to be gathered against uh, Israel. In fact, if you go to the book of Ezekiel as well. In the book of Ezekiel. In chapter 38. Ezekiel chapter 38. In verse number 2, he says, Son of man, set thy face against Gog, the land of Magog, the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal, and prophesy against him. And say, thus saith the Lord, behold, I am against thee, O Gog, the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal. Um, And he talks about this. But notice in verse number five, Persia, Ethiopia, Libya with them, all of them with shield and helmet, Gomer and all his bands and the house of Togarma of the north quarters and all his bands and many people with thee. So notice he starts naming countries, all these nations that are going to come against Jerusalem. They're going to come against Israel right? And this is what Micah is saying, okay? When we read here in verse number two, now also, or verse number 11, now also many nations are gathered against thee. So again, he's talking about what's going to happen with Babylon, but he's also looking into the future and showing what's going to happen at the last days, right? And of course, if we, under, if we look at Israel and we look at prophecy and things like this, we understand there's nothing, there's nothing that has to take place with Israel that before we could say the, the, rapture, of, uh, the rapture of the church. Uh, everything is set right now for Israel. Again, a lot of times we, we, try to, we try to look at prophecy and we try to look at scripture and we try to Americanize scripture. We try to Americanize prophecy. Well, where does America fit in this? Who cares about America? It has nothing to do with, with scripture, right? It has to do with Israel, Right. It's that's that's where everything is the focused around Israel. OK, I know a lot of times we think, oh, man, things are getting really bad in America. So the Lord must be coming back because America's going downhill. America has been in existence for what, 400 years. That's not who God is concerned about. Right. Again, I'm, I don't I'm not saying that God's not concerned about people in America. It's just that's not the nation he's concerned about. He's concerned about Israel. That's what his focus is upon. Right? And so when we think about prophecy and we think about scripture, we have to look, how does it deal with Israel? Right? And when you look at all the things that transpire with Israel, there's nothing waiting. There's nothing that has to transpire with Israel before the, the Antichrist comes and the rapture of the church. It, that's why we say it could be at any time. right? At any moment, Jesus Christ could return. Why? Because there's, there's nothing waiting. God's not waiting for anything. It's just his timing. Okay? And so when he says, look, look, all these nations are gathered against thee and say, let her be defiled. Let her eye look upon Zion. But watch, watch what he says in verse number 12. But they know not the thoughts of the Lord, neither understand they his counsel. Isn't that amazing? Look at what he says. But they know not the thoughts of the Lord. I love that, right? Here is the world, basically the world, the nations of the world are trying to figure out how to destroy Israel. I mean, you you think about it, right? Uh, I mean, how how big is Israel? It's a pretty small, small country, right? We talked even about the population. Uh, There's only about 17 million Israelis worldwide. 17 million, right? If we were to take the the, the countries around it, if we were to take Egypt and even just, even just the countries that we were mentioned there in Ezekiel, you take Ethiopia and you take Persia, you take Iraq and Iran and Saudi Arabia, and you take these other countries around Israel that hate their guts. What is the population of those countries compared to Israel? We're talking about hundreds of millions. And there's 17 million Jews. And what are they saying? We are going to destroy Israel. We're going to wipe her off the face of the earth, right? We're going to destroy her. Let her be defiled. Let her eyes look upon. Let's just wipe her out. Let's just get rid of her. And what does he say? But they know not the thoughts of our Lord. They have no idea what God has planned. They, they know nothing, right? And can I, can I say, whenever you start thinking that you've got it figured out, just remember, you don't know the thoughts of the Lord. You don't know the thoughts of the Lord. And whenever you're down and out and think nothing good can happen in your life, just remember, you don't know the thoughts of the Lord. I, again, sometimes we, we try to plan things. We try to figure out stuff. But God says, look, and just like these nations, all these nations gathering together to try to destroy Israel, he says, yeah, give it your best shot. It ain't going to happen. Why? Because you don't know God's thoughts. Now, in this particular area, we are able to know what God says because God says Israel's not going to be destroyed. And you can see how that has happened countless times throughout the years of Israel's history where they've tried to be destroyed. And there they are. They're still there. Why? Because they're God's chosen people. But he says, you don't know the thoughts of the Lord. You don't know the thoughts of God. Can I say, this is why the Lord tells us in Romans eight twenty eight? and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose, right? That, that's a great verse. When we praise God for that, man, we can say all things work together for good. Why? Because, hey, we don't know the thoughts that God has, Right. Whether it's good, whether it's bad, God says all things work together for good. And we can trust Him. Amen? We can trust that God's in control. But but here's the thing, right? Uh, Again, we like to focus on the part that says all things work together for good. That's what we like to focus on. All things work together for good, so it's going to turn out well. They're getting ready to be judged they're getting ready to go into captivity you think it was going to turn out well for them wasn't going to turn out well for them they're getting ready to be destroyed do you think you think daniel when he's getting ready to be taken captive as a young man do you think he was like it's gonna work out good praise god Do you think Hananiah and Azariah and Mishael, as they get taken captive and they're hauled off to Babylon, away from their family, away from their friends, away from their country, like, this is the greatest day in the world. I don't think so. We we have this idea that all things work together for good means everything is going to be well. It's not what it means. It doesn't mean everything's just going to go the way we want it to go. Again, we want to read into scripture how we want it to turn out. Oh yeah, God said all things work together for good. What does that mean? Just because all things work together for good doesn't mean it's going to go well for you. And then somehow we think, well, if it doesn't go well for us, then God doesn't mean what he says. If if things haven't gone well for me, if things don't work out, then then God hasn't kept his word. No, no. God never said everything's going to go well. He said all things work together for good. All things work together for good, right? And again, that's where we like to focus, focus. But here's the thing where we really need to focus on. Not on the first part of the verse, but on the last part of the verse. What does it say? To them who are called according to his purpose. God says all things work together for good according to His purpose. Not according to your purpose. Not according to my purpose. Right? According to your purpose and my purpose, we just want everything to go great. We don't want any problems. We don't want any family problems. We don't want any financial problems. We don't want any job problems. We don't want any health problems. We don't want anything like that. Right? And so we just want everything to go well. That's not what God said. Again, what is, what is Micah getting ready? What has he just said? You are going to be taken captive. You are going to go to Babylon. You're going to be taken in captivity. It doesn't sound like that's well. It doesn't sound like that's really exciting for Israel. Again, we, we looked at other passages of Scripture last week where, where even Jeremiah, he tells them, look, if you will just surrender, you're going to go into captivity, but you'll be alive at least. But if you fight against it, you're going to die. But I mean, even Jeremiah's message, hey, if you'll surrender, he didn't just say, if you surrender, God's going to defeat your enemy. No, he said, even if you surrender, you're still going to go in captivity. You're still going to go through this. So it's not what is good to us, but is what is good according to his purpose. All things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. So we have to understand what is God's purpose through this? What is is God trying to do through this? Uh, Yeah, things may not be going well in my life. Maybe I've got some health issues and maybe I've got some financial problems or maybe I've got some family problems or whatever. So what is God trying to do through this? Because if I just look to God and say, hey, God, things are messed up, so you must not care about me. What happened to all things work together for good? God says, wait a minute. What it it's according to my purpose. This is what he says. They know not the thoughts of the Lord, neither understand they his counsel. When we start trying to think that we know God and we've got God figured out. Can I tell you, we're in trouble. We're in for a rude awakening. Well, we've got, you know, we've got God figured out all things work together for good. That's not what it means. Now, can we trust that God is in control? Sure, absolutely. We ought to. But it doesn't mean everything's just going to go the way that we want it to go. Do you think the the children of Israel for 400 years in slavery were saying things are going really well for us? No, they were crying out. They were crying out for deliverance. Things weren't going well. But God said, I have a purpose in this. There's a purpose behind it. There's a reason why. And if you'll just trust me, it will turn out for good. God says here, they know not the thoughts of the Lord. Neither understand they his counsel. So here is the world. Here are these nations that say, hey, we're going to destroy Israel. These nations that are gathering together, these nations that are making peace treaties with each other, basically to destroy and annihilate Israel. And they think they've got it figured out. But God says they don't know the thoughts of the Lord. Neither understand they his counsel. God says it's according to his purpose that all things work together for good. Are we willing to trust his purpose for our lives? Think about what he says in Isaiah 55 verses 8 and 9. He says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. Now think about what he says here. I think it's really interesting how God words this, right? He says, My thoughts, God's thoughts, are not your thoughts. Means, again, we can't, we can't, <laughs> we, if we're trying to say we got God figured out, he's like, You're wrong. You don't. But then watch what he says Neither are your ways my ways. God says, your ways aren't my ways. In other words, God's saying, I don't have to do it the way you want it to be done. I don't have to do it the way you think it ought to be done. And again, that's so many times what we try to do. God, this is how I want it to be done. This is when I want it to be done. This is how I want it to be done. So, okay, God, do it. God says, no, your ways are not my ways, God says, right? For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. God says his thoughts are far higher than our thoughts. His ways are far greater than our ways. In Romans eleven thirty three, he says, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. He says, you you just can't find them out. He says, the depth of his riches, the wisdom, and the knowledge of God. Unsearchable are his judgments, his ways past finding out. So what does he mean then when he says, all things work together for good? He says, God has a purpose for it. God has a plan. Look look with me in the book of uh, Ezekiel. Go back uh, back with me to the book of Ezekiel, chapter 38. So here he's talking about Persia and Ethiopia, Libya. All of these are going to be gathered against him, right? Um, and so he's talking about all that's, going to, all that's going to transpire. Thus saith the Lord God, verse number 10, it shall come to pass that at the same time shall things come into thy mind and thou shalt think an evil thought. Thou shalt say, I will go up to the land of unwalled villages. He's talking about them, the nations, I will go to them that are at rest, that dwell safely, all of them dwelling without walls and having neither bars nor gates. So he's talking about what they're thinking about doing to Israel, to take a spoil and to take a prey, to turn thine hand upon the desolate places that are now inhabited, upon the people that are gathered out of the nations which have gotten cattle and goods that dwell in the midst of the land. So again, he's talking about what they're thinking, right? Watch what he says. Uh, Go down to verse number... verse number 18. And it shall come to pass at that same time when Gog shall come against the land of Israel, saith the Lord God, that my fury shall come up in my face for in my jealousy and in the fire of my wrath, have I spoken surely in that day, there shall be a great shaking in the land of Israel. And then he's going to, he's talking about, uh, everything that's going to happen. And verse number 23, thus will I magnify myself. And sanctify myself, and I will be known in the eyes of many nations, and they shall know that I am the Lord. What's God saying? God's saying, hey, you, you, you think you're doing this to destroy Israel. You think your, your whole purpose is you're gonna spoil Israel, you're gonna wipe them off the face of the earth. But God says, I'm letting this happen to Israel for a purpose. There's a purpose behind it, God says. The purpose is, he says, I'm going to magnify myself. I'm going to make it known in the eyes of many nations, and they shall know that I am the Lord. God is saying, I'm, I'm, trying to, I'm using this so that the world will know who God is. Now again, if, if, Israel, if Israel treated God the way we treat God, Israel would say, hey, God, this is is messed up, right? I don't want to go through this. I I don't want to have these nations come up against me. I don't want to be hated by the world. God, I I don't want to go through these things. So just just make everything smooth. Just make, make all of the enemies my friends, right? Just make everything better. All things work together for good, God, so work it out for good. God says, I am going to work it out for good. And the good is that through this, The world will know that I am God. And you understand many times when when we go through trials and we go through difficulties and things and we look and we say, God, don't you care about me? And God says, yes, I do. I do care about you. And I have allowed this to happen, not necessarily for your good. Again, think about what Romans 8.28 says all things work together for good. It doesn't say all things work together for your good. Why does God allow certain people to go through sicknesses and things like this? It's not necessarily for their good, but for good. Why? Because through that, God can work through that person's life and use what they're doing to be a testimony to God, to somebody else, so that they can come to know God. Again, think about it. When when the blind man is there and the disciples are walking by and they see him and they said, "Hey, okay, Jesus, who sinned, this guy or his parents? Who sinned that he should be born blind?" What did Jesus say? What are you talking about? What are you talking about? Sinned. His parents didn't sin. He didn't sin for this to happen be happen to him. Well, wait a minute. Doesn't all things work together for good? Do you think he enjoyed being blind his whole life? No. But what did he say? Jesus said he was born this way for the glory of God, that God would be glorified through it. We, again, we, so, many, so many times we think life revolves around us. And if God doesn't make everything just the way I want it to be, then God must not care about me. And if things aren't going well for me, then God just doesn't love me. Wait a minute. God says he's going to work all things together for good to them who are the called according to his purpose. The good is going to be according to his purpose. And you know what that means? That might mean that somehow you're going to have to go through something bad so that something good can come for someone else. doesn't mean that it's always going to turn out good for us. I mean, think about it. Again, Daniel, we're, we're talking about during this, this captivity. Daniel never saw his homeland again. Never returned to Israel, died. You think Daniel's like, man, I never got to go home. Never got to see my my family. Never got to see those people again. But what did God do? God used what Daniel went through for good so that even others there in Babylon could come to know God. That even the king Would it be willing to say, There is no God like your God, Daniel? You understand? That would have never happened if Daniel wouldn't have been willing to trust God through the difficult times after he'd been taken captive. This is what God is saying here. You don't know. We do not know the thoughts of God, we do not understand his counsel. And by the way, you don't give God counsel, he doesn't need your counsel, he doesn't need my counsel. He he knows what he's doing. And even though sometimes we may not understand it and we may not enjoy it, God said it is for good. There is a purpose behind it. And even through the darkest of times, we can look and say, God, I may not understand what I'm I'm going through, and I may not even enjoy what I'm going through, but God, I know you have a purpose for it, and so I'm just going to trust you, and I'm going to trust that it's going to work for good somewhere. It's going to work for good somewhere down the line or in somebody else's life or whatever. But God, it's going to work for good because I'm just going to trust you according to your purpose. And that's not easy to do. We like to trust God when things are going well. But when things aren't going exactly the way that we want them to, it's much harder to trust God. And to say, God, I'm willing to trust you for your purpose. Even if that means it never goes well for me again. Even if it means that sickness I never get rid of. Or even if it means that that problem is just continually going to be there. But God, I'm going to trust you through this. And watch what he says here. Watch what happens. In verse number 12, back in Micah, he says, But they know not the thoughts of the Lord, neither understand they his counsel, for he shall gather them as the sheaves into the floor. He is referring to God, the Lord. He shall gather them, the nations that have plotted, the nations that have come against Israel. He will gather them as sheaves into the floor, into the, 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 thresh, the threshing floor. Well, what happens when you take the sheaves into the threshing floor? <laughs> Nothing good, right? I mean, what happens when you take the, the wheat in there? Man, it's beaten. There, there's judgment that is coming, right? And that's what he's talking about. These nations that have risen up, they're going to be brought as sheaves into the floor. They are going to be, uh, they're going to be the ones destroyed. And watch what happens. He says, arise and thresh, O daughter of Zion. That's Israel. Daughter of Zion, you arise and thresh. What is he saying? Through, through their defeat, you're going to be blessed, even though it was they, they the one, they're the ones thought that they were going to destroy you. They're the ones thought that they were going to spoil you. But he says, now through this, God's glory is able to be seen. They're going to know that I am God, and I'm going to turn it around so that you're able to spoil them. You're going to get the spoil. He says, arise and thresh, O daughter, for I will make thine horn iron, and I'll make thy hooves brass, and thou shalt beat in pieces many people and I will consecrate their grain unto the Lord and their substance unto the Lord of the whole earth. Again, they think they're going to be able to defeat Israel. But he says, even though Israel will look weak, and even though Israel will look defenseless, they have no idea what God has planned. That through this, God is going to magnify himself. When you keep reading through the book of Ezekiel there in chapter 39, it's just, it's amazing how many times God speaks about that they will know that I am God. Um, and when you go back to uh, Ezekiel chapter 39, um, in verse number six, I'll send a fire upon Magog and among them that dwell carelessly in the isles, and they shall know that I am the Lord. Um, in verse number seven, so will I make my holy name known in the midst of my people Israel and I will not let them pollute my holy name anymore. And the heathen shall know that I am the Lord, the Holy One in Israel. And you keep going on and on and on. And you, even if you come down to... Um, Uh, at the end of the chapter, verse number 28, then shall they know that I am the Lord their God, which caused them to be led into captivity among the heathen. But I have gathered them unto their own land and have left none of them anymore. Neither will I hide my face anymore from them, for I have poured out my spirit upon the house of Israel, saith the Lord God. He says over and over, this is being done so that they can know that I am the Lord God. The whole purpose in this is so that people will know that he is God. Do we understand that everything that God allows us to go through, whether it's good, whether it's bad, the purpose behind it is so that we will glorify him and so that others will know that he is God. So many times we think that the good things that happen are just for our blessing. They're just for us. And the bad things, oh man, you know, just God, just get me out of this. God says, no, you don't understand. Everything that we go through, we are to look at it as a way so that the world, the heathen, he says, can know that I am the Lord God. When, when people look at our life and what we go through, do they see, hey man, I don't, I don't know what's going on. I can't see how good things are. I can't see how bad things are. But man, every time I turn around, this guy, he is, he is talking about God. He's magnifying God. I mean, the bad things that he talks about, it's, you know, God's going to get the glory. And the good things he's talking about, man, God's going to get the glory. I mean, everything is done to magnify God. And yet how, how few times do we ever even give God the glory for what's going on in our life? Even the good things. We don't give him the glory we don't magnify him we just we just think that we deserve it well we're we're christians we're blessed we just we just deserve it and god says the whole purpose of what he's trying to do in our lives as christians is so that he will be glorified and he will be magnified not us And so God says here with with Israel, he said, yes, look, judgment is going to come. And and these nations, they're going to think that they're going to destroy you. They think they're going to spoil you. But he says, they do not know the thoughts of the Lord. Neither do they understand his counsel. He says, I'm going to turn this around. Israel would be victorious. They would spoil the enemy. They would take their gain and they would offer it unto the Lord. God said, "This this is what my plans are. This is, what I, this is what I'm going to do. Now, again, you think about this. As Micah is, is preaching this nation, as preaching this message to the nation of Israel, right? do you think the nation of Israel was like, yay, this is going to be great. No, they still rejected God. They still rejected, and they went into judgment just as Micah said. But even though they thought it was bad, God said, look, I'm going to, it's going to turn for good. It's going to turn for good. Did that mean that people didn't die? Yes, they died. Did that mean people weren't taken captive into Babylon? Yes, they were taken captive into Babylon. Bad things still happened. People still got hurt. Life still went on. But God says, You do not know my thoughts. You do not know the counsel that I have. You don't know what I am trying to accomplish. And everything that God is doing, Again, why, when you look in the book of Revelation, why does God, why did Jesus create everything? Everything was created to bring glory back to him. That he would get the praise, that he would get the glory in everything. And as Christians, that's what we're supposed to be doing. In everything that we do, we're supposed to be getting the glory back to him. And even understanding that even through dark times, even through difficult times, hey, I don't understand what God's doing. But that's okay. I don't have to understand it all. But I know he's got it worked out. He's got it figured out. And you know what? I may I may never get better. You know, Vanny Crosby, uh, she never gained her sight back. She never gained her sight back. But she used... What many people thought was a horrible circumstance, a horrible tragedy, she used it for God's glory. And that's what God desires in our lives, to take whatever it is, whether it's good or bad, and use it to glorify God. God said, hey, Israel, this is what's going to happen. They're going to come up against you, but I want you to know, hey, it's going to be all right. Even though there's going to be 70 years of captivity, and then later, of course, they're going to come back, and then, of course, the Romans are going to come, and then all of this... God says, I've got it. I've got it worked out. I've got it taken care of. All things will work together for good. But are we willing to let it work together for good according to his purpose and what he desires for us? One of their heads bowed and eyes closed. Father, I pray, Lord, that you'd help us tonight to recognize and understand that it's not about us. Lord, it's about your glory. And Lord, so many times when we go through something that may be difficult, we want to turn on you and think that you have forsaken us, think that you have forgotten us, that you don't love us anymore. Lord, help us to remember that it's according to your purpose. And we don't know your thoughts. We don't know your plans. But God, we know that you are God. God. And we can trust you that all things will work together for good, not according to our purpose, but according to your purpose. Lord, we would trust you that no matter what we go through, that we would glorify you, that you would get the glory so that those around us would know that you truly are the Lord God. Father, help us. It's not, it's not easy for us to do that, God. In our flesh, in our mind, and in our intellect, we try to figure you out. and We try to think that we know what is best for us. Lord, we need you to help us, to trust you, to look to you, so that we would glorify you in all that we do. Lord, help us with this. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, the piano's just going to play softly tonight.